Do you ever feel like you can rush around and do like all the things that you need to do, but you never have enough time? Like with being a mom and being a parent, and it's like, all right, I got to rush here. I have the day job. I have this. I have that. Like, I really just would love it if dad's drinking bourbon was full time. Yeah. I can't fit everything in. How Even, do you do it? You don't. Uh, you just keep going. You fly by the seat of your pants and you keep going. You taste a couple samples, type a little notes, go change some laundry, make sure the baby's okay. Change diapers. <laughs> change a diaper or two. Or when you hear the babysitter gasp at the amount that's in the diaper or the I don't have enough hands because of whatever he's just done, you, you take a break from tasting and you go and you handle the diaper situation. <laughs> Well, on that note, let's taste some whiskey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hello, hello, everyone. My name is John Edwards, and I am San Zeke Baker, but together we make the Dad's Drink of Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, Thank you for making us a part of your day. Before I get going with my awesome guest here, I just want to let you know that we are sponsored by CastCartel.com, changing the industry standard in the spirits industry. If you're sitting home on your couch, look in the cabinet, you get up, you're, you're going to pour something, you realize you're getting low, you realize you need something, go on and go to CastCartel.com. They will get it shipped directly to your house. They know that shipping is always a little bit of a problem. So if you follow them on Instagram or follow their website, they're always having good discounts on shipping. They're like Amazon. So what happens is they're like the marketplace. There are merchants that go on there. They find those merchants, give them access to you, and then you have access to them. And then you can buy some alcohol and get it shipped right to your door. Cascartel.com. Follow them on Instagram, Cascartel. They're always giving away cool samples of awesome stuff. We are also sponsored by distilleryproducts.com. Once a closely guarded secret, distilleryproducts.com. They actually do the laser etched glassware for pretty much all of your favorite distilleries. They're great people. They have wholesale prices. Whether or not you are a bourbon group or a distillery and you want to get a bunch of Glencairns or the Tua glass or the neat glass, they are actually the only place in North America that laser etches neat glasses. Go ahead and check them out at distilleryproducts.com. You will be glad you did. All right. I'm glad I got through all that because we have a returning guest. It's one of our favorite people in the whole entire world. Ashley Barnes <laughs> of the Spirits Group. Thank you very much for joining us again. We are at Pennington Distillery and nobody else is here. We are. We've snuck in here somehow and everybody ran away. Actually, I think they're recovering from last night. Last night, of course, was Hardest Harvest. It is on 1017 every year. It's the anniversary of the date that they put down their first barrel of whiskey. Ashley has now been a part of this oh, a while now. A while now. Not quite a year, but a solid six months. Because the last time you were here, it was the release of the Tennessee... Uh, Tennessee Whiskey Small Batch. Yeah. Yeah. And the last time we, you were here was like when we, were, we had very first started. Yeah, it was so, when there were 10 barrels that you had to go through. Yeah, there was like 11 barrels total. I don't think that was even a 10-barrel dump. I think there was 11 barrels. I ended up with eight of them, maybe. 
And then out of those, you said a couple were single barrel, a couple should go someplace else. And then you were left with like maybe eight. (laughs) Yeah. And I should say, before we get into how you've been, all that, if you are hearing some kids' music, just like on Dad's Drinking Bourbon, uh, Ashley's husband and her son are sitting in the room with us. And it's kind of cute because your son does not want to be away from Mommy right now. Yes, he he was having a little bit of a meltdown to be away from Mommy, which is kind of cool. I've been there. (laughs) I've been there. And... uh, most of the time, it's daddy get away. I want to be with mommy, but it works either way. Yeah, he's cool with dad. He just wants mom in the room right now. Oh, he's really comfy on dad. Yeah, <laughs> they're both they're both just sitting there watching. What what are you guys watching? Um, looks like Blaze or some form of Blaze. Maybe the Amazon Prime free version of Blaze. He's big on trucks, though, isn't he? Very much big on trucks. As long as it's trucks and red trucks, he really likes red trucks. I was going to try and get your husband to talk, but he doesn't seem like someone who wants to be on a podcast. (laughs) I was trying to get him to shout over. Your son, maybe. Yeah. Clay will probably speak up throughout this. And James, you can talk, honey. (laughs) (laughs) He probably thinks he's not allowed to. (laughs) No, we are a family show here that parents listen to after the kids go to bed (laughs) that's kind of how it works so how have you been the last time we saw you for those of you that do not know ashley's backstory give the 30 second version even though that alone could take three hours well fortunately i i do not do well speaking about myself so monica did a much better job of of this last time uh my backstory is i Started at Buffalo Trace, um, came over there from pharmaceutical world, big difference. And uh, so I was there for a couple years, then went over to Four Roses, and I spent four years there. Um, actually, four and a half years, geez. Four and a half years at Four Roses, uh, working on all the products there. I did liquid quality, um, focused on liquid quality while I was there. So I really got to hone in my my whiskey and bourbon knowledge and skills and looking at liquid and trying to anticipate and project how that liquid would age, those types of things, as well as blending things like small batch and working on limited editions. So I've been around for about eight years in the industry now. And you were lucky enough, you got to work with both Jim and Brent. Yes. So... And- Yeah, Brent hired me into Four Roses, but I was right at the tail end of Jim. So I got to work with Jim as well. And Jim is a good friend and still talk to him today. Dan Gardner has that thing too. Every time I talk to Dan, he's like, I I was just talking to Jim and he said this, 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 and this. And it's, you know, like all that knowledge that comes down that, that both Jim and Brent have. That's a whole host of things that you can pull from. To mm-hmm. now talk about what you are doing now because you and your friend Monica Wolf have since formed the Spirits Group. We yes. had a little question on the name, but mm-hmm. it is going to stay the Spirits Group. It is the Spirits Group, yes. Now, you guys are this awesome consulting arm for the yep. whiskey industry. Monica is a badass when it comes to distillery planning, business, forecasting. Like all the, all the things that actually make it work. I make it taste good. She makes it work. And the business planning, the financials, she's just superwoman when it comes to that. 
I mean, I, I go cross-eyed and I'm like, here you go. Which um, is why you were here in the first place. It was why you were here yesterday. Let's get that out of the way for a second. We have the Davidson Reserve Rye, the Davidson Reserve Genesis, and now we had and still have the Davidson Reserve Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. You blended all of these together. I did. I did. <laughs> and single barrels. We've got single barrels that are coming out in the market, too. We don't have any sitting here. Um, we had some the other day. Uh, I've heard there were picks that are coming all yes. around the Tennessee market. Yes. So those are barrels that I've selected that while I was looking at barrels for small, for the Tennessee whiskey, small batch for uh, Genesis, not so much. Those are special barrels, but even in the rye um, barrels that I come across that I think are very unique and can, can stand alone. We're pulling those out and starting to do, I think some picks with that. And then, of course, the ones that I'm like, you know what? We're just going to hold these in the in the distillery for their the gift shop. Those are like the extra special ones. The Genesis is three single barrels that are blended together for one. And they do that every year at the Hardest Harvest. Right. That is three single barrels. They put it together into a small batch blend of those three barrels. And it becomes the Genesis. Correct. Genesis being the beginning. Right. And 1017 was the beginning of their whiskey. See how it all ties together? Whiskey is marketing, folks. So <laughs> you got to help select those barrels this year. Right. So they only lay down a few of these Genesis barrels each year. So this year, the barrels from the first year were five years old. So I had a selection, just a few of those barrels to work with. They only bottle... 1017 so 1017 <laughs> so there's only 1017 bottles of genesis and so that boils down to right at three barrels next year if we end up going with some six-year-old we might end up going to four it's kind of on the bubble with whether those barrels are have a little more have a little less Clay doesn't want him to go to four barrels. It, um. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He, he just put his vote in right now. I think so, he's mad because he's trying to get a goldfish that he can't get. He's wanting one of the big ones. They've Those got are like the, Tostito ones that are like the extra crunch. And he is hooked on them. I, I have that one. same cup. Those are the best <laughs> cups because they have the, the, the rubber, the hole on top. But it's kind of like you have to reach in and they can't just like turn it over and dump it everywhere in the car. Yep. They're, I like them. I was eating out of them the other day at Sunday school. Like I was in the Sunday school nursery. So the other mom and I had our own little cup. My problem is I just open the top because I just want to get at everything. My big hands can't get down in those cups. But if you are a parent, you you totally know what we're talking about right now. They're the ones that are green, pink, and orange. Uh-oh. He needs a cup of something. So when mommy's tasting, he likes to taste. You're putting some sparkling water in a nice glass for him in a nice plastic cup. Are you getting to do what mommy does? Oh, he's happy yep. now. <laughs> he's like, oh, there's <laughs> bubbles in this. I may have put too much in there. <laughs> I put too much in there. <laughs> the glasses I have at home are the one ounce, and these are two ounce glasses. So I usually, even when we were walking around last night, had to get him one. I think one of the pourers thought we actually gave him whiskey because he started to cough as he took a drink and <laughs> her eyes got so big. And I was like, no, it's water, but we're sipping on this. So he needs something. You were like, see, he's got a wristband. It's yeah, okay. he's got his own wristband. <laughs> he's, he's fine. Um, for, for those of you listening, we are not advocating toddler no. drinking. 
No, no, no. So the Genesis <laughs> might go to four barrels. The cool thing about Hardest Harvest, if you guys came last night, it was awesome. If you didn't, you're going to have to wait another year. I mean, they had three bands come out. They had... Yeah, it was a uh, great turnout, too. Great turnout. They always have bonfires. They had Battleground Cigar come down. They yeah, had, they had a couple food trucks. They had Urban Grub, had like ribs and turkey, turkey legs, legs that were amazing. And Grilled Cheesery was here. Yeah. That pimento mac and cheese is always my jam. Oh, man. It's pimento, pimento cheese, mac and cheese, tomatoes, and bacon. Yeah, we missed out. But we got well, not really, because we got turkey legs and, and there ribs. was a cookie dough thing. Like the that the, was good. That was really good too. Doughs. Yeah, and everybody was really excited. I think it was was interesting last night because your mom and dad were here, yes. as well as your husband, and your son, and that you said, and you said that was the first event that your mom and dad have really gone with you. And they're not used to everybody coming up. Like they're not used to you being a little bit of a, a whiskey celebrity. Yeah, I think that was a little odd. I mean, maybe it was just me. That was my take. I don't think it was. It was just kind of cool to have. It was really nice to have them here. I was glad that they got to come and experience it without like a sit down and a tasting, and I'm up front talking or something. Yeah, and and it's got to be cool that people are supportive of what you're doing and and know the story and know that you're putting it together. Doing a whiskey podcast is not that cool. <laughs> and at least it's your job. Like yeah. for me, it's like crazy fandom thing that like I have a crazy fandom for whiskey that I'm actually doing this podcast for it. For you, it's like you're being celebrated for doing your job well. There's a difference. <laughs> like there's a distinct difference. I don't know, it's just it's really cool. And it's not just a podcast. We really enjoy this. I've even got my mom hooked on watch listening to it as well. Oh man. So she I don't know that she was even listening to podcasts. I was like, hey, I'm on this podcast. <laughs> and I think she kind of listens to it some now. So I apologize for Eddie of Zeke's stories when he's running. <laughs> And he talks about how he can't find a bathroom. I think that's why she's like, it sounds like our family. <laughs> no, this it's normal. <laughs> getting back to this. Let's um, go back to the whiskey. <laughs> getting back to the whiskey, the, the Genesis, you put that together. There's a thousand seventeen bottles. Correct. Then the rye. How many went into the rye? Because as we're we're talking about all this, like we said, you had eleven barrels at first when you first came in mm -hmm. to Pennington. Now you have hundreds of barrels. Quite a few more. So with the rye, I don't even know like the initial number because we just had pulled some samples of rye when I was working on Genesis. And then it was like, oh, we want to release another product too. And I was like, okay. So I started working on it. I was like, man, we're, we're doing rye. I hope you have a label because this is, <laughs> this is good. And I can't even tell you. You know, with the first one, it was like, hey, I've got 11 barrels. How are we going from here? But with this one, it was, here's some samples, see what we think. And I literally just pulled a few, did a little blend, and I was coming down um, for something else. And I said, hey, here's the rye I blended up. And Jeff and Jenny and Carter and all of us tasted it. And they're like, yes. <laughs> so I refined it a little bit. This batch only has six barrels. That's it. That is it. It has six barrels, um, four years old. Let's see. That bottle might be finding its way to my car. 
I'm just saying, I'm so proud of the way this turned out. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. You know, my job comes, sometimes it comes in the beginning, but having good liquid to work with, you just, you can't downplay that at all. You know, they did such a phenomenal job up front. No, Carter and the guys do an awesome job here. And it was funny because I had tagged you in a post last night because in full disclosure, y'all, we were actually going to do this podcast yesterday and we were all set up and we were going to do the podcast before Hardest Harvest and then all hell broke loose because it's a big live event that has three bands and a bunch of whiskey. And so everybody, we were in Carter's office, everybody kept knocking on the door. Hey, we want to put this plug here. We want to move these barrels. We want to do this. And then Carter's like, no, you can't move these barrels. You can't do this. I'll be right there. And he has this like video screen back there (laughs) that shows the whole distillery. And he's like calling the shots. But Carter is easily distractible. So Ashley and I were like, all right, time to break down. He's like Superman and does everything. He does. And then he's tired. And then he goes home early today because he's so tired. Because he did everything (laughs) yesterday. Rat him out. (laughs) Hey, I'm just saying he's not here. Carter, we love you. But Carter does an awesome job. And he is distilling this whiskey. This rye. And we talked about it a little bit with the Tennessee Sour Mash. I don't want to necessarily rehash everything. Mm-hmm. But you you had gone through the process and you said, all right, I have two different profiles that we could use. I have one that's a little more maple syrupy, one that's a little more grapefruit IPA, and you put that together. This rye has a little bit of that maple syrup in it. What makes the similarities? Is it just pure coincidence or is it the way that you blended it together? You know, you have kind of a terroir. And sorry, people who speak French, I'm sure my country accent butchered that. But the terroir, the, you know, it's just the kind of environment. It's the characteristic. It's the family trait. Um, There are those characteristics that carry through to all the whiskeys that are produced here. Like the nuttiness. The nuttiness. the The, like, Almost like a butterscotchy syrup. Not just the maple syrup, but like a butterscotchy syrup. So well, I was going to say, I mean, nuttiness here, but like the nuttiness of a beam. And you know that uh, Brown Foreman always has a little bit of banana. Those are those characteristics that are always going to be throughout each one of their whiskeys, regardless of which one it is, right? Right. It's just there. There's a, there's a characteristic, there's a family trait that carries through all of them. And I went on and pulled up my barrel notes for each of the barrels that went into that. So I did kind of similar. I was looking for specific things. They've got some raw single barrels that we're going to have to. They've got some phenomenal juice. I can't say that enough. But I've got some of those with rich dried berries, pipe tobacco, herbal and earthy, but clean, uh, smooth herbal, lingering finish, a lot of clove and nutmeg. One of these is Thanksgiving. It just, <laughs> it put me in the mom's in the kitchen cooking Thanksgiving dinner and I'm like drooling. I love that <laughs> note because it's a relatable note, right? Absolutely. The, and I find that with you, a lot of the notes that you take and, and every time we get to meet up together, your notes are not like marzipan, apricot. Like you take very relatable notes. And that I, I appreciate that because that's what I try to do. You know, if... I was uh, talking to people, I guess it was yesterday, I don't know, one day, earlier this week maybe, and I was like, you know, I want you to write down what you taste. I'm going to pass around this, and it's clove, 
But I don't want you to write down clove. I want you to write down what that makes you think of. Clove specifically, mom made this like spice cider, but she made it with orange tank. And <laughs> people out there in Radio Land, y'all might know what I'm talking about. It's actually really good, but mom used the to make powder, it. The powder or was it the, the powder? Drink? Oh. Like the tang powder, and then she'd put all these spices in it. And then we would drink that as it got cold. So that was like the signify of going into the holidays. Yeah. So every time clove puts makes me think of that. And that also gives me like some orange and some other stuff going on. So if I take a sip of whiskey and I think of that, then I know there's clove and there's nutmeg and there's a little bit of maybe some orange. I might sip on it a minute and go, okay, is it orange peel? Is it candied oranges? But then that's how I break down tasting notes. Now, I could go and taste all these exotic things and put it in there, but what fun would that be? Well, your husband had the best tasting note yesterday. He did. It was like, what, fishing? Uh, Float in the river and fishing or something? What was your... On this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In a bass boat with a cigar in your mouth. In a bass boat with a cigar in your mouth. That was the best tasting note. He's it just like, it tastes like fishing for me. And uh, it's that place, that old factory sense where where's your, your mind go? Yeah. And it's, it's the memory. So you're not just isolating one smell or one thing. It's an experience. And there are all kinds of smells going down the river. So... You know, for him, it's a great memory. We're not we're not thinking about anything negative. And then when you get that, that's your tasting note. It's an experience, and you can experience it in the whiskey. This rye, I'm a big fan of this rye from not only the maple, but you get that clove, especially on the nose. Once you hear it, too, it makes it even oh, worse. Yeah. And the thing, it's an approachable rye. I feel like especially new whiskey drinkers or people who are kind of coming over to the dark side from drinking vodka or rum, rye kind of that, it's got a punch to it sometimes. And this is such an approachable rye. It's got that tingle, but it's like seventh grade dating tingle where like you're <laughs> holding hands, but you're not going further. Like, you know, it, it's not... It's a, that lust, that puppy love. Yeah, it it's not going to like... It's not an explosion of spice in your mouth, but it, it's like, oh man, something might go a little bit further. But like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe we're, we'll you know, see where this maybe goes. we're not there yet. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, because it, it's that nice Write, soft writing notes to each other. Can we hold hands for two minutes longer tomorrow? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's it's that soft tingle. It's a very it is. It's a very approachable, very soft and balanced. And smooth in the finish. <laughs> it is the finish on that. I mean, I just, I really enjoy that rye. It is such a, no, yeah, that's going to be the rye at our house. And knowing there's only six barrels of it, that's <laughs> not good. Well, it'll get dumped again. It'll continue on. I can't uh, wait. But like I said, it was kind of like a... You know, we were thinking we were going this direction, but then Ashley gets a hold of it and says, nope, we're going over here. <laughs> Jeff is awesome for being so open and accommodating to my opinions <laughs> and my change in direction last minute and strong suggestions. Well, I mean, they, they come with results. I mean, I think for the, the things that you have done here, definitely has results i mean the genesis you're you're not doing as much of that because it's just whatever you have as a genesis barrel mm -hmm. right 
So it's not like you're going through and saying, I'm getting this here. I'm getting that there. Yeah, it's it's a this is what we've got. So what can we do to make it the best it can be? Um, so it's okay. This is good, but just because something is good, just because you have a good single barrel, doesn't mean that single barrel is going to play well with the other barrels. Yeah. So it's more difficult to do a three barrel dump, honestly, than it is a larger dump. I wish you had the the Genesis last year. I, I mentioned this all the time. There was this chocolate barrel that was I'm going to have so to good. find you one. I, I've tasted several. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I'm talking about here, yeah. where you get it because it's not the traditional signature that you expect from them. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I'm obsessed with this one because it's not anything I've really had at Pennington before. Mm-hmm. And I taste it. I'm like, ooh, that's just pure chocolate. Like that is – Yeah. It's and then, thick, you know. That's so good and it's a good point. There's such a variety in the barrels. They get so many unique flavors. They get the citrus, kind of the hoppy character. Then they've got this really silky maple syrupy character. They've got some chocolate mixed in there. Uh, Right now, I know last time we had two distinct profiles, and you got to experience both of those. Um, You probably have 30 now. Three. No. We're we're still at three, and um, batches are definitely getting larger. So... I fully expect to kind of get some more, but we're still kind of in the same area of, of aging location. So I think we're going to start to see more as we get into deeper, deeper ones. But Jeff is going to hate me for saying this, but this Genesis, it reminds me of summer. Like that's, just that's still an okay thing. Well, it is it's October. Light. It's light, but it's like very floral and it's almost like kind of being out in a meadow think of like a porch swing like sitting out on a porch swing and you got a house out in the country a new porch swing like a new rope was just tied yeah it's it's nice but enough with all i mean you do a whole bunch of stuff here i think the proof is evident for me i mean the genesis and the ride i i'm in i i need (laughs) those i need to make sure i get those but I want to talk a little bit about you and the spirits group and what actually goes into all that work, right? We've, we've right. danced around it where you're like, all right, I come in, I get these three profiles. Say you just have a brand new client and you're going in, how do you kind of evaluate everything and, and what's kind of the plan of how you would develop those profiles? <laughs> Clay is contributing here. Um, he, he's just so, driving his car on the table. Yeah, he's doing wheelies and and crashing it. So it just depends on the client. Some clients do want just blending, which is totally fine and cool. We also broker barrels. So it's really awesome when we get to kind of mail the two where we help locate barrels for people. And then I come in and blend those barrels. Um, so that's fun. And then we also have the opportunity sometimes where it's like, hey, this is we want to do about this many bottles. This is the type of brand. We want to do a lifestyle brand. We want to do a brand that's geared towards millennials or new um, young professionals. And then I get to kind of play and say, okay, well, this is what's kind of available and here's how I would blend them. So we get to back into a product kind of from that angle, which I absolutely love as a blender because then I just get to play. 
I get to pull the different barrels and that are up for sale, and then we get to purchase them and make this very custom, unique blend for a client. So how does one blend something for young professionals? So a young professional, um, I would think of myself as a young professional. So I want something with a little meat on the bones, but smooth and luxurious. But it, So it needs to be approachable and to be able to hit a price point that's affordable because we're young professionals, so we're not rich. It's got to be affordable. Yeah. <laughs> Under that, like probably a $50 target because we are professional. We, we want to step our game up. And so I would approach it like that. Kind of the same way with tasting notes. And it's it's a part of life. It's an experience. There was a brand that wanted to um, – I forget what they wanted to put themselves it, – it was something like – I'm not going to mention names. Yeah. But they wanted to brand themselves as like the everyday rare for millennials. But it huh. was like it was like a $60 bourbon. Oh, and I was like, yeah, that's not every day for me. No, and no. It's like, unless you make J.W. Dant and J.T.S. Brown and Wild Turkey 101 <laughs> and Four Roses Yellow Label and you do – sorry, you can't call it Yellow Label anymore. But, no. Um, the Four Roses Nude Label. Nude um, label. <laughs> until you start making stuff as good as that for under 20 bucks, like that's not everyday rare for me. No, but, I think 30, 40 bucks would be a good every day. Yeah. And the thing is, is I did a flight. Actually, this was earlier this week. Man, the days run together. But I did a flight of actually about eight bourbons. And the most expensive bourbon there was 25 bucks. And this is another fun thing I do get to do. And I do this with clients and people who maybe are just now laying down some whiskey and they want to talk blending later when it gets older. Um this was a facilities team from a distillery. If you're on my Instagram, you'll see them uh, from Bentley. Yep. Um, so I did a tasting with them, and we were discussing – just got to discuss mash bills and how the same mash bill could be expressed in different ways through location, through blending. and But there was some pretty yummy stuff in that lineup, and nothing was over 25 bucks. So you really got to stand out for me to spend – 40 50 plus especially yeah. as a new young professional and i always use that gauge right and, and you can't use it anymore because now everything's gone up but i always used to use four roses store pick or four roses pick mm-hmm. and or, or russell's reserve pick and then even knob creek right so knob creek was 50 four roses was 50 to 60 uh russell's was going to be 50 to 60 so it's like all right even in something that's coming out that is an allocated release, I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, you mean that's worth three, four roses? Yeah. You know, like, and I, in my head, I'm like, is it worth three, four roses? <laughs> and like, that's the problem I would have is like, I could get three really good Russell's picks for this. I don't know. And, and, and you're running into that. People are actually starting to look at it in that capacity now. I mean, I hands down would buy. A Four Roses limited edition because, yeah, that is worth it. But some of the others, when I've tried them, I'm like, no. This year's, have you had this year's yet? I have not. I'm so looking forward to trying it, but I have not had it yet. Uh, mine is already gone, or else I would have shared because <laughs> we good. only get the media sample. Yeah. You know, and, and thankfully, thanks to the guys over there, but we we got the media sample. I think it's like 100 to 200 it's usually ml. Or it was 100 ml, yeah. um, you know, a year ago. 
it's it's about that, and that goes quick because yeah. we we taste a sip of it and we're like, all right, I think I need a little bit more. <laughs> this year's is phenomenal. I think you gotta call some friends and. I don't know. I've been phoning in some some. Hey, can I have a, a small taste of what you guys got? And uh, so far, I've I've not gotten anything. My my friends aren't holding me up. I was like, I'm having withdrawals. I've been such a big part of it for so long. And this year, I'm totally out of it. Those don't sound like good friends. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, if you're listening and you work at Four Roses, hook a girl <laughs> up. Um, uh, Brent, Brent listens. Brent is awesome. Yeah. And he's a great blender. And he's, a, I mean, he's so good at what he does. So it was an honor to get to work with him uh, when I was there. That's why I'm so excited to taste this one. Well, I know. I, I don't want to. I don't want to make us talk four roses the whole time. There are some great things under twenty five bucks. I mean, Absolutely. I'm a big fan. I mean, there you're getting into old granddad bottle and bond territory. You're getting into the dance. You're getting into the the JTS Browns. Mm-hmm. You're getting into regular Heaven Hill. You're getting into all of the bottled and bonds. Yeah. That you know, outside of E H Taylor, and now this new seven year from Heaven Hill. Um, but you also have the things that are not labeled bottled in bond, but technically could be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Which I don't know why they don't. I don't know. We've tossed around the idea here at Davidson. <laughs> like, why don't we just put it on the label? We could. Because they do a hundred proof on pretty much everything. Right. It, with the exception of their single barrels, but and all those the are other all cask. stuff. Yeah. I feel like we're digressing a little bit, which is easy to do, but you would go in, you just did this tasting and hold that thought. Cause I do want to talk about the tastings and the different things you do, but let's talk about you. You came in, you're asked to create a profile. We now know yeah. what the young professional profile is, yeah. but um, what, what's the first thing you do? Cause they, they might give you some barrels and you're tasting yeah. it. What are you thinking about? Because a lot of the people that listen might be home tinkerers. What are you thinking about when you're blending? So I'm thinking about each barrel and what it brings to the table. Um, Would it bring good top notes? So that nose and that very first flavor. Is it going to be a good base? You know, is it very, maybe it doesn't have a great nose, but it's very coating and has a long finish. Um, you know, what does that barrel bring to the table? And then do I feel like that ta- that would play well with others? Because sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, and I might pull those. And those are types of notes I make when I'm looking to blend. What makes you figure out whether or not it would play well with others? Because I know, like, there's tons of stories about people who have, like, an infinity barrel. Mm-hmm. And then they put one whiskey in and it just ruined the whole thing. Yeah. That's just... I don't know how to explain it, I, and I, I can't, don't want to gum it up trying to explain it. It's just something you kind of learn over time, um, and anticipate it. Almost put for me, it's like when you look at someone, you just get a bad feeling. Yeah, it's kind of that same thing. But when I taste a bourbon, <laughs> when I taste a barrel, you know, so it's, it's like, like tribal knowledge at that point. Sure, yeah, it's just something. It's a learned thing, and you know what? I just don't. It's a great barrel, but I just don't think that's gonna work well. I tend to think when you're blending malts, like something that's a higher malt with a traditional bourbon or whiskey, the malt is gonna take over. A little mm-hmm. bit. It is. Um, the malt is a big, bold flavor. So it's definitely something to work. You know, you work with it. I don't even know what that is that he just pulled out of the diaper bag. 
It's a truck, I think. It's it, untelling. It looks Grandma's like a, pick random stuff in the diaper bag. It looks like a Happy Meal toy. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Oh, Transformers. I don't think he's watched that yet. Um, well, he's about to like it. That's all I know. So you, got, you just kind of get that knowledge, that gut feeling about it. But malts. Malts are like a, they're a totally different breed of cat. And I love malts. I love working with single malts. And uh, I haven't had a huge opportunity to work with some. I've tinkered with some some malts and blending just in the last year. Went to Scotland for a week uh, with some clients. So got a nice immersion into uh, scotch and malts in that world. I'm really excited to do more with that. And there is more coming. Um Actually, I've got some some malt sitting on my table to work with at home. So you know which ones play well. Mm-hmm. You know which ones don't play well. You kind of have figured out, like, all right, this is this is front heavy. This is going to be finish heavy. How do you then – is it just a whole lot of tinkering to figure out what the blend ratio should be? Kind of, yeah. Um, it just depends on what the customer wants to. I do it initially what I think is best. So based on, okay, I've looked at 20 barrels, and I've got this many with this profile, this many with this profile. I feel like we need to go dominant here because we also have that extra factor of we want to get the most liquid out of this blend as we can because the only way to maximize would be dump everything, and we're not going to do that. We're going to be strategic. So... I take to get the best profile, and then I'll do a couple different versions of that. So I do some tinkering. I'm like, all right, here's where we're going to get the most flavor. And then I'll back into it and go, okay, but we're only going to get this many gallons out of it. Yeah. So what if we do, and I'll tinker with it a little bit. And so I might send the customer my, my first round of samples I send <laughs> are going to be... A blend that has, if we just dump everything, cold turkey. We yeah. Um, which is always a fun one when people are like, oh, my gosh, why did you send that to me? And it's like, because I want you to know what that would look like. I know you trust me with this and you came to me and asked me to blend for you for a reason. But you, it's good to show. We actually did that with a production crew. They were getting upset. Like, why do we have to put this barrel here and that barrel there and, like, all the extra work? And so the head distiller there said, oh, come here, let me show you. And she showed them the uh, the bottle, the blend that was actually all of the barrels just dumped together. She's like, okay, this is without Ashley, and this is with Ashley, and this is why Ashley comes. <laughs> and they're like, okay, we're good. And they didn't complain the rest of the day. So <laughs> I was like, that's one of my favorite stories because people don't realize that and how much goes into that. Now – I would have to think that there might be some that's left over, right? If there you is. know that there's going to be 60% of this and 40% of this or, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm dumbing always, it down. Yeah, absolutely. So then what, what do you what do you then advise a distillery to do with the remainder? So it depends on the distillery and what the plan is. So um, we just did a dump, a very large dump, but there was still 300 gallons left over. And there was like 40 gallons of one, 40 gallons of another, and maybe 120 of actually from the previous batch that was still left over after this last batch for the year was done. And we're not going to dump barrels again until into next year. So 
what they're what they've chose to do is they want to they're going to put it back in a barrel let it sit in a barrel on the bottom floor and just coast through winter until we come to the next time when we're going to dump barrels i'll re we'll pull samples and i'll work that into the next blend oh nice so um i do not recommend leaving them in a tote because you're gonna have a lot of oxidation and it'll go flat and then we got to blend it off and it's pointless so if you know there's going to be three or four months between then we'll work it off like that uh, work it into another blend or some will have a little bit but not enough to really do a whole lot so we might use that for tinkering like maybe they want to play with some um, you know soaking some fruit in there and macerating or if they do want to do a like a cream or you know some other product that gives you a little bit of liquid to play with that's not you know yeah. not set for something that's super interesting so there's a lot there's a lot of different avenues and each client and each you know each distillery is different in what they want to do with it. And that's why it's really good to have a two-headed kind of like you where you know you're kind of going over the blending side but then Monica's going to help them saying, "All right, you have all this stuff left over. This is what it's going to mean for the number of grains that you have to buy for what what you're doing with your barrel storage, where you're putting your barrel storage. Like, how are you then planning for that? And how are you planning for that year after year after year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll come in and, you know, we'll say, okay, she'll work all the numbers and go, okay, we're projected to need this many barrels or this many bottles for next year. And we'll back into that and go, okay, I need to put away or this is how many we're going to need in four years. And I'll back into that and go, I need to, we need to produce this many. So then I'll take the blends that I've done and I'll look at, you know, okay, we need to produce this many and we'll back it into the location specific if that can happen. So, okay, we need to put this many rye in this location. We need to put this many of this weeded mash bill in this location. Or we've got one mash bill. We're going to put some up here and some up here. We know we're heavy on the higher tiers of that. So we want to put majority of that per- that distillery's uh, barrels in that location because that's where they age best and they might contract work some. Or, yeah. you know, there's lots of different things that can happen that um, – it's really cool to be able to work with them and really put purpose to what they're doing. Instead of just throwing barrels in a warehouse, we're putting them in there with purpose to maximize the flavor profile that is being developed. How many of your clients just kind of let you do your thing? And then how many want to sit with you and learn the process as you're going through? Cause I would think that there would be a whole bunch of people that kind of want to be taught at the same time um it's kind of 50 50 but i've also we really encourage um distilleries and clients to let's do a training where i'm going to come in and i'm going to bring some different spices and kind of like we were talking about earlier let's walk through how to taste let's just start from scratch pretend forget everything you know and once we do that, and then I'll talk about, especially if I've done a blend, I'll pull different barrels or all the barrels from that blend, and we'll talk about each one and why I chose those. Um, and we do that with the whole team, with the production team, the marketing team. The ar- it's just awesome to get everybody involved. It helps boost their knowledge, and then they're even more passionate about it. They're just truly into it and fascinated Back to, you know, Pennington. Every time I come down here, I talk to everyone from – they all came up and did a training with us like that. 
and it yeah, might be. Yeah, I know. I'm bummed. I was supposed <laughs> to be on that, you and were. I had a sick daughter that day. Well, we'll get you on another one. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, the production guys, I had a guy last night was like, hey, so since you're, you're training, I've been trying to really expand my palate and, and my verbiage. What do you recommend I do? And I love it. I love when everybody's so excited about learning to taste. So it's really a 50-50. And there's also the ones that they start off like really looking over my shoulder, like wanting to know every little thing. And then they kind of get to the point like, okay, well, we're just going to let her do her thing and then come in in the end. Because you have this whole kind of consulting arm, right? You Mm-hmm. And and as we were mentioning before, it's you're working on the whiskey, Monica's working on the business, but then there's also a training mm-hmm. component now that you guys are doing tastings and trainings, and and yeah. it's not just the distilleries you work with. Other people can reach out to you for that as well, right? Right, restaurants, bars. Um, I talked to a girl, you know, you guys introduced me last night. I hope to come down and do a tasting training with them. And just a walk through, you know, we're not just walking through one brand. We might walk through this morning or actually a couple hours ago. I did a walk through of all the different Tennessee whiskeys that are out uh, with the intention of everything doesn't taste like the same thing. You know, everybody knows we've got all these different expressions in bourbon. Well, so I took the Tennessee whiskeys. I matched them with some bourbons that had very similar, if not exact, mash bills. And we walked through the bourbons. Same old, same old. Yeah, they're all different. Okay, let's go through these Tennessee whiskeys. Whoa, they're all different. (laughs) Woo. Yes, we figured it out. Not everything is the same. It doesn't all taste the same. There's so many different rabbit holes I think you can go through with whiskey. You know, we were talking to Dan from Four Roses, not to keep going back to Four Roses, but I know it's something that we can both talk about, right? Dan was talking about even though Four Roses has one floor ricks and you know you have the the tiers, so Mm -hmm. you're you might have a sixth tier opposed to a first tier, and the differences in the rows, the warehouse where they're facing, are they facing east, are they facing west? Is it a sixth tier? Is it kind of in the middle of the rickhouse, though? Is it over towards the end by the window? All that kind of stuff, even within, you know, and, and that's Four Roses limits the amount of variability because it's a one floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have places that are seven, eight floors. So it's like, what's that top floor going to be to the bottom floor? Is it on top of a hill? Is it on the bottom of the hill? There's yes. so much stuff. That goes into, and then of course Dan got us in on the whole thing. Of, he, he's great at rabbit holes. Of, oh, phenomenal! Is it closed stave versus open stave wood? And then we, you know, we talked to Greg Snyder from Chickencock, who used to be at Wild Turkey, but he also used to run the Brown Foreman Cooperage. He was talking about this thing that he's doing as a consultant for one of his clients is a cooperage, and then he's also the master distiller at Chickencock. Mm-hmm. So he's going out to that cooperage and picking every single stave they are using for the chicken cock that they're aging. And he's like, I want this certain profile of stave. 
I want all that. Like, there's just so much variability. Oh, absolutely. And people don't even, we haven't even touched on, you know, the different cooperages. That was even a question this morning they asked about, you know, if the trees come from, say, Wisconsin or Minnesota versus the trees that come from Missouri. Is there a difference? And Garrison Brothers actually uses four different cooperages because they didn't want to leverage themselves too much on one in yeah. case something happened, in case a distillery came in and said, I'm going to buy up all your barrels. But as I was talking to the brand ambassador from Garrison Brothers, he's like, I can tell by sipping the whiskey what cooperage it came from. Absolutely. You can tell a difference. I think, and this is completely my opinion, and it. It is my opinion right now because I've had limited exposure, but tasting barrels that are from a cooperage that only uses northern um, northern trees and it's a northern whiskey, I think it ages better there. Like I think because I think there's a little more sugar to it. You think about mm. going slower. So like on the bottom tiers, sugar molecules are heavy. So if you're running in and out of those barrels, if the liquid's going really fast in and out of those barrels in those top tiers, they're not going to want to carry something heavy like a sugar molecule. But if you're moving at a mid to slow pace, say middle and bottom tiers, you can bring that sugar with you. That's super interesting to hear you say because it's something that Zeke and I have always talked about that MGP, I think it's over oaked after 11 years. You know, I think eight to 11, there have been some 12s that, that have been okay, but I've had the, the Blom brothers and the Traverse city, you know, that are going to be done in Illinois and Michigan. Those actually have been okay. A little bit older. You have that MGP that gets moved down to Kentucky and Tennessee. That's where I think it gets a little bit oakier. And Mm -hmm. there was a 14 year Traverse city that I had, and I was like, this is 14-year-old MGP? you got to be kidding me. And it makes a difference. It really does. You know, it's a little bit cooler up there. The stuff isn't moving as quickly. It's not going crazy in the winter. You mm-hmm. know, it's probably contracting a little bit yeah. more. And it's crazy. It's so interesting. And that's one thing that... I loved my time at Buffalo Trace. I adored my time at Four Roses. But I get to experiment and play with all of that now. And so it's something that I just can't be thankful enough for um, to see that and to do that and to work with a few distilleries that are in northern, uh, the northern part of the United States. I've got one client. They've been with us from the beginning. And and tell you what, they're weeded. I would put against at 10 months, 12 months old now, I would put it against anybody, any anyone else's That's any day. funny because a weeded for me, I feel like weeded take longer. It, they absolutely do. And this one has got, and it's, it's going to be phenomenal in like three, four years, whenever they do decide they don't want to release a two year old, which is uh, awesome. Yes. But looking at it at, I think I've got a 10 month old sample at the house. I was blown away. I put it in front of, I do um, some judgings from ACSA and ADI. And so I've got some friends that are well-known judges. They're phenomenal. And uh, I said, hey, tell me what you think of this and like handed it to them. And when I told them how old it was, it was like, wow, this is going to be phenomenal. It is great now, but it's going to be phenomenal. 
I always feel bad because when people say that they're going to put out a weed of whiskey, I'm just like, all you right. cringe a little bit. And and you, you hear the age, you're like, eh, you might want to leave it in a yeah. little bit longer. Like Absolutely. And we're not going to. And I don't, I don't want them to bottle it. I guess my point in that is that it's being aged in the northern part of the United States, and it is delicious. Oh, and man. I think that is a very... Unique thing to take from that. Those weeded whiskeys that are aged lower and slower. I'm not a weeded fan. I actually don't typically care for weeded bourbons. But I'm slowly seeing, well, if there's one that's done in this way and used maybe, you know, that that style of aging and producing, then we might have something I like. Which leads me to my next point that we say all the time. Bourbon is stupid. Because <laughs> you, you, there's just too much going on. You can never get it right. But with everything you guys have going on, you have all this consulting stuff. You have the blending. You have the the training. What else have I missed? And what are you most excited about in the next year? Uh, besides being a mom. Besides being a mom. Of an almost two-year-old going on 30. Just just <laughs> wait, because the twos, everybody says the twos are terrible. But guess what, buddy? It's three. When you're a three-nager, that's when it's worse. <laughs> three-nager. There's a couple brands that I've been working with and working on that I am very excited to um, to have out and about. Um, there's some awards, I think, that are coming Ooh. Um, for some stuff that I've worked on that, again, are super exciting to really start getting getting that uh, underway because, you know, it's, it's truly stuff that I've blended and I've done out as the sp- under the spirits group. So just like whiskey takes a while to add <laughs> to age. You know, sometimes that that takes a while to come out. Well, it's not a business you go into for immediate gratification. Oh, absolutely not. Um, Yeah, I think that's all I can talk about that I'm excited for. There's some other stuff I can't talk about yet, but um, there's some big stuff coming. Well, I hope that when you can talk about it, you give me a call. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And we will figure it out. But hey, little man, did you have fun watching your mom talk on a podcast? Well, now we're going to be quiet. Now he's quiet. Maybe I should just talk to him more. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're going to be quiet. (laughs) All right. Well, Ashley, we love everything you do. And, you know, we're happy to call you a friend. And we're also just incredibly proud of all the awesome work that you and Monica are doing. And please keep it up because you guys are doing amazing things and helping a lot of people. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be back and... The folks can find you at the Spirits Group? At the Spirits Group. um, We're on Instagram. I'm on Instagram as Ashley underscore Barnes underscore TSG. Um, That is my professional page, so lots of fun stuff on there. Occasionally, Boss Man over here makes a little bit of an appearance because, you know, Mommy works from home. And then the Spirits Group is on Instagram. We're on Facebook, the Spirits Group, and Ashley Barnes. So, and usually if I get a message on a personal page, I'll send you over to the professional. So come check us out. Follow us. We got lots of exciting things and uh, more fun adventures coming.
one time we actually, I think, should bring some stuff and actually do a blend. Doesn't necessarily need to be yeah. your stuff, but we could just find some stuff, put it together, and you like, can teach us. We could do a blending podcast because yeah. I could set that up so you have some because they have to mellow. They have to settle a little bit. So that would be a, a full day. I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. Well, yeah. you can go ahead and find the dads on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. We are on wherever you listen to podcasts, whatever it is. Check it out. We're there. We're also in Nashville, Tennessee. Come find us. We're going to be at a bunch of events soon. We are going to be at Grains and Grits on November 2nd in Townsend, Tennessee. Go to grainsandgritsfest.com for tickets. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. And thanks to the fam. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.